The views on a breath of fresh air podcast reflects the parties involved, and we encourage you all to use it as a conversational tool that will lead to personal studies of your own. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Welcome to a breath of fresh air podcast. Here with your hosts, Earl Roberts and Nakaz Gay. As a young person, Christianity can be so foggy, like smoke in the mirrors and so unclear. But we're here to bring you a breath of fresh air. <sighs> What's on the menu for today? Well, your majesty, the food, we have about 300 baskets of fine flour to make some of the finest bread that you have ever seen. We have 10 of the fattened oxen from the field, not to mention 20 of the oxen from the pastures, on top of 100 sheep, and let's not forget about the deer, the gazelle, the robox, and your majesty, to top it all off. We have a fine assortment of the most brilliant fatted fowl from all over the land. Mmm, sounds delicious. Uh, remind me, out of all of the 12 governors, who's responsible for providing the food this month? Ah, uh, let me see. Uh, it's the... it's Ben-Hur, the house of Ben-Hur. So they are responsible for the fine feast we are receiving today. Ah, yes. It's always a pleasure to experience food from the mountains of Ephraim. Make sure I make an extra plate of Robux for me today. Thank you. Solomon reigned during a peaceful time in Israel's history and enjoyed the abundance of the land. This week, we are exploring 1 Kings chapter 4. As always, be blessed and enjoy. All right, we are rolling. All right, welcome back to another episode of A Breath of Fresh Air podcast. My name is Nikaz Gay. I'm Earl Roberts, and we're your house. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely appreciate everyone for tuning in again with us this week. Uh, hopefully everyone had a great week out there. I mean, I know my week was a bit stressful. It was a bit uh, crazy. And I think you indicated your week was kind of the same. But, I mean, through through it all, God is good. Amen. God is definitely good. So, how you been? I've been, I've been all right, man. Uh, I just feel like, you know, things have been heavy on my mind for the past couple of years. Like... I don't know. I feel like when I was 25, just like four years ago, like times were simpler. You know, we used to say that, right? Like it was a simpler time. <laughs> it was a simpler time. But I didn't have to pay bills. Right. But uh, even apart from the responsibilities, I do feel like I had to deal with less problems and less issues and less like stuff that can make me sour or, or kind of stress me out, you know, back then. And I feel like when the pandemic rolled in, it was just a high stress time. And since then, it, it went down a notch, but it didn't go all the way back down to how things was pre-pandemic for me. Mm. And so because of that, like, sometimes you hear bad news from back home, you know, 
I just feel like these things happen more frequently and it can really affect my mood at times. Mm-hmm. But by the grace of God, I am thankful. And throughout any hardship that I'm going through or anything that's kind of like really kind of ruining my mood, it just makes me feel like I'm ready to, I'm ready for God to return. You know, it's not that I, I'm ready to not live or anything like that, but I'm like, I can't wait to be living a perfect world where, you know, there's no pain and no sorrow, no suffering and no, no, no bad news for us. That's so interesting too, man, because it's, it's almost unfathomable to think about, right? Mm. Because we're so used in our human existence to experience hurt, to experience pain. And you get to a point in your life where you almost get numb to it to a sense. But when you read the Bible, you know that there's actually better coming. And it's sometimes it's almost hard to even like conceptualize what that is. Mm -hmm. Because I don't know what it is to like never again have to feel hurt and pain. Like even saying the phrase in a perfect world sounds kind of like wishful thinking. Yeah. (laughs) That, that's really how it sounds. Like, like, what type of world you live in? Like, you know, like you expect to, to live in a perfect world one day. Like, we all know this world ain't perfect. Right. But actually, yes, I do expect to live in a perfect world one day. You know, I can't wait, actually. And uh, Your perfect world round or flat? <laughs> My perfect world I'm ever going to create. <laughs> I already know what side you picking in this one. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> I, I, I believe this is what God created. So, you know. <laughs> oh, my. But that's, that's good, though. I mean, like, it's it, it, it gives us hope. I know in church we have this song called We Have This Hope. You know what I'm saying? And it's really a powerful song when you think about it. And it really shows how we should be as Christians. We know that there's a better out there. Well, I should say out there first. But there's a better life ahead of us. You know, once we walk in his ways, keep his commandments, Similar to what he told Samson last ep- Samson Solomon last episode, like we have this hope that burns within our hearts, hope of the coming of the Lord. So if we believe the time is now, then all those. Well, I forget the rest of the song though. Either way, <laughs> anyway, like man, we we should just have that hope that Christ is coming and like aspire to be in heaven. Like it's mm. it's gonna be amazing. Before we even get into the episode though, like. Couple like couple uh, episodes ago, I think about two episodes ago, right? We put the twig symbol in the sky, mm-hmm. and Twigman <laughs> did respond. And for those of you guys who were like who might who may or may not remember, it was uh, referring to Jerusalem being the city of David, mm-hmm. right? I'm gonna just say his response in there since he actually typed a lengthy response and he went through the trouble of actually, you know, like providing us some knowledge, even though it was still an open and the question at the question at the end. Yeah. But just some history, right? So he went back and said, okay, in Joshua 15, verse 63, but the Jebusites, the, inhabit- the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the people of Judah, could not drive out the Jebusites. So the Jebusites dwelled with the people of Judah and dwelled with the people of Judah at Jerusalem to this day. In Judges, again, and then in Judges 121, the people of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites who mm. lived in Jerusalem. So the Jebusites had lived with the people of Benjamin in Jerusalem to this day. So now on to David in 2 Samuel 5 verse 6. And the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, who said to David, You will not come in here, but the blind and the lame will ward you off, thinking David cannot come in there. 
Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is the city of David. There is the name. So his interpretation is that David is known for capturing Jerusalem and building it into his capital. But he was born in Bethlehem. And he says, now for the bonus. Hmm. In Judges, and the men of Judah fought against Jerusalem and captured it and struck it with the edge of the sword and set the city on fire. So, and again in Judges 121, but the people of Benjamin did not drive the the Jebusites who lived in Jerusalem. So the Jebusites are lived with the people of Benjamin in Jerusalem to this day. So he is wondering, did the men of Judah burn Jerusalem the Jebusites just inhabited after they burned it? Mm. Granted, being prepared for this, and because I didn't know I was reading this, so this is again, for our first two times, like actually digesting this yeah. live on pod. <laughs> because the terminology to this day, right? Mm-hmm. To me, it implies that this is written after... The, the occurrence happened, right? And so they, so the person who's the author is saying that at some point in time, the Jebusites, um, the, the Benjamites burned down the city. Mm-hmm. But then they also say the Jebusites lived there to this day, which means that even after the city was burned down, the Jebusites either continued to live there or moved back there. What we do know is that they were there after the burning, mm-hmm. you know? And But it did say that um they, they um the people, the tribes could not, Run the Jebusites away. So my thing is, you could burn down our city, but that means you you got rid you, of us. You kill us. That no, no. yeah, that means you you exterminate us or or anything like that. So yeah, I think they they had valiant efforts, but it wasn't good enough until David <laughs> until David came around. And that's how Jerusalem kind of got the name, the city of David, because he <laughs> kind of captured it from the from the hands of the Jebusites. So that's interesting. A little tidbit there. Hopefully, you know, again. That's what, that's what it would be like, though. Like, you know, someone read, like, listen to the podcast, goes on their mm-hmm. own journey. You know, the views of a pod, the views of a breath of fresh air reflects the parties involved. And we encourage you to use it as a conversational tool <laughs> to further studies of your own. Amen. And it's kind of what Twigman did. He went through the Bible, Joshua, Judges, Samuel, and dug deeper to kind of get an understanding of, you know, where where's the background behind David becoming, like, being... Jerusalem being was the city of David, so yeah, and so the only the only thing that that kind of it's all good. <laughs> the only thing that kind of <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay I'm gonna cut that out. Yeah, all right. So the only thing that kind of conf- makes it confusing about the city of David is that the first time I heard the term city of David mm-hmm. was during a Bible cartoon <laughs> where Mary and Joseph was like. Mary was like, yo, I'm pregnant. Joseph was like, yo, but we have to go to Bethlehem, the city of David, because, you know, that's my ancestors, right? And so my whole time, the whole time I thought, Bethlehem equals city of David. And Luke describes Bethlehem as the city of David. Mm -hmm. However, that's after multiple references of Jerusalem being the city of David. And so that's why I do think it's conflicting. And, you know, the two things can be true. This one can be the city of David as a title because of all of the great things David has done. Another one can be the city of David because this is literally the city where David is from. Fox. You know? Fox. I mean, like, if someone comes to Orlando, they'll call it your city. Right. But you go home and say, this is my city too. Right. So. That is true. Kind of, kind of, probably always played out in ancient times, I guess. It's crazy thing how, how long ago these stories happened. Um... So this week, we are continuing the story of the wisest king that ever lived. Mm. 
good old King Solomon from 1 Kings chapter 4. So, yeah, let's, let's get it. Let's get so, reading it. from the New King James Version. So, King Solomon was king over Israel, and these were his officials, Azariah, the son of Zadok, the priest. Woo! <laughs> and that's how it is all through King's hand I know, man. <laughs> Elohorith and Ahijah, the sons of Sisha, scribes, Jehoshaphat, the son of Eliahud, the, the recorder, Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, over the armies, Zadok and Abithar, the priests, Azariah, the son of Nathan, not to be confused with Azariah, the son of Zadok, <laughs> over the officers, Zabud, the son of Nathan, a priest and the king's friend, Ahishah, over the household, Adoraram, the son of Abda, over the labor force. And Solomon had 12 governors over Israel who provided food for the king and his household. Each one made provision for one month of the year. These are their names. Ben-Hor in the mountains of Ephraim. Ben-Decker in Makaz. Salbim, Beth, Shemesh, and Elon, Bathanan. Ben-Hasset in Araboth. To him belong Sukkoth and all the land of the heifer. Ben Abinadab, <laughs> in all the regions of Dawes, he and Tepath, the daughter of Solomon, he had Tepath, the daughter of Solomon, as a wife. Bana, the son of Elihud, in Tanakh, Megiddo, and Beth Shehan, which is beside Zetarian below Jezreel, and Beth Shehan, and Abel Mehola, as far as the other side of Jek Niam. Sorry if I'm butchering these names, by the way, because <laughs> right. I'm pretty sure I'm butchering them. And you wouldn't, and you would think I didn't listen to the pronunciations earlier today. <laughs> All right, Ben Gerber in Ramoth Gilead to belong to him belong the towns of Jehar, the son of Manasseh in Gilead. To him also belong the region of Argob and Bashan, sixty large cities with walls and bronze gate and bars. Abinadab, the son of Edo in Mahanam. Ahimaaz in Nephtali, he also took Beshmath, Basemath, the daughter of Solomon, as a wife. Solomon apparently had a lot of daughters, mm -hmm. which would make I sense. Mean, yeah, it would, make, it would really make sense. <laughs> it would make sense. From a probabilities perspective. Bana, the son of Hushai in Asher and Aloth. Jehoshaphat, the son of Parua in Ishakar. Shimei, the son of Eli and Benjamin. It's interesting, too, because, like, you know, some of these other tribes, like, what was the last time you had about Ishakar? For real. You don't really hear about them like that, though. Well, but after Kings, bro, it's slim. You, you might never hear about them again after. Well, maybe after for a second Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shimei, the son of Eli and Benjamin. Gerber, the son of Uri in the land of Gilead. And in the country of Shishon, king of the Amorites. And Og, king of Bashan. He was the only governor who was in the land. Hmm. Okay. And just in case you got lost in the sauce... That was Solomon's 12 governors. And I felt, like I said, way more than 12 names. Um, in verse 20, Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sand by the sea in multitude, eating and drinking and rejoicing. So Solomon reigned over all the kingdoms from the river to the land of the Philistines. 
As far as the border of Egypt, they brought, they brought tribute and served Solomon all the days of his life. And it was so interesting to man, like, just remembering when Israel was literally only 12 sons. Yeah, I was thinking about that because, <clears throat> oh, no, I don't want to get into that deep conversation. It led me to think about that, but Joseph, all right, no, I can get into it. When, when Joseph's brothers came to visit him in Egypt, obviously he spoke a different language mm-hmm. and they didn't know he was Joseph. Some would even say they didn't know that he was an Israelite, mm-hmm. which would imply that he looked like an Egyptian, mm-hmm. which would imply that Israelites and Egyptians look alike or looked alike during that time, you know? And so I was just thinking about that. And I'm just like, you know what? Dave, I mean, those, those, all of, all of these tribe, like all of the brothers, they, they lived in Egypt. They don't even know what, what, <laughs> they don't even know what happened after Egypt. Like, it's a long, it's a long journey. They have a whole, they have a whole tribe of people that lived after them that has their own individual cultures. And they will not know about that until, um, until, until heaven. It's so funny because you might say the tribe of Benjamin are left-handed people, but Benjamin himself might have been a right-handed. You know what I mean? Like, like, like the culture could have developed their the tribes could have developed their own culture. That'd be own. sick. Man. <laughs> That'd be crazy. Bro. That would be so crazy. Wow. Okay. That's a fact though. Like, yeah. they literally turn it into like their own individual nations. That's that's what that's the type of line of thinking that I I, I went through this week. I'm like, man, you know, these nations. And then, cause I was thinking about Jew, the word Jew, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's a, it's, a, it's a really tense time right now. It's a it's a really tense time. So I wanted to Whoa. know by definition how did we come about this name? Because I almost in, said the whole podcast. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> Stay away from that conversation. But I was thinking about how the name came up, right? And I'm like, because they don't say it in the New Te- in the Old Testament, I don't think. They say Hebrew. They say Israelite. Mm-hmm. But where did Jew come from? Mm-hmm. And, you know, based on, on Google search, like, you know, Google, they have, like, the phonetic, like, mm-hmm. definition of, like, mm-hmm. how it's, right, whatever. And it, it was kind of meant of Judah, which would make sense because when the, when the kingdoms um, split, the people who occupied the southern kingdom, which is Jerusalem and stuff, were people of the line of Judah. You, you understand what I'm saying? And they, Jews. And they Judah. just nicknamed them. Jew, right? Like they, 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 they cut off the dog and they just say Jew. <laughs> you, you know? Mm. And I was, yeah, man, I, I, that, that's all I... I, I call the other one Samaritan. My mind just go, go all over the place, though. <laughs> oh, no, I know, I'd be like that, too. I'd be like that, too. But, like, what I was thinking about, too, is, like, just imagine, like... Abraham, who got the promise that I will make your children, like, like, like your descendants will be like the sons of the seashore, mm-hmm. who never really got to see that promise. I mean, we know Abraham at the end had about 12 sons too, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that's, you could count them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you could go to the beach, and there's so much sand on the beach. You leave the beach, and you feel like you put all the sand on the beach in your car. But that's just how that's just how much that's just how numerous the sound of the seashore actually is, and it's just interesting. Like, cause I mean, one, it shows that God always keeps His promises, yep. even when you're not alive to see the promise fulfilled. 
And I know Hebrews talks about this. I think it's Hebrews 11 when it goes on about faith. But just like just the whole concept of like having faith and trusting God and knowing that God is going to keep his promise, but also showing like how some of the fathers of faiths, faith we're not even alive to see some of the promises fulfilled. Like, I mean, mm. Moses died before like the children of Israel actually went entered into the promised land, but he had faith that they were going to get into, get in. Abraham, like we mentioned, man, you see now like the Bible is showing that, yo, the children of Israel were like the sound of seashore. This is like almost like a direct call back to the promise that God made to Abraham way back in Genesis. Mm. And we just was talking before, Paul, like how much Bible persons we already covered and we're only in Kings. But think about how long ago Genesis and Abraham was. Probably. Like, Abraham was our first, like, mini-series when we just, like, on one character for a while. And that felt like, literally, like, two years ago. Yeah. Now, for us to do that, we have to basically, we have to kind of follow the book that follows your life, you know? Like, so, like, first and second Samuel, well, mainly mid-first Samuel, most of second Samuel, those books dedicated to David's reign, mm-hmm. you know? And, um... When we get the kings, we don't have a lot of that. Like you might have, like Solomon might be the last long, long not really, with last person that we're gonna be on for multiple episodes that doesn't have their own book, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not, because you know some of the prophets in yeah, yeah it, it get like that. But we we don't have another like David and Joseph and you know Abraham, not like that. So we were reading in verse twenty two. Yeah, because remember we were talking about like, that's, that's what we got on this tangent. <laughs> talking about how blessed Israel was. Yeah. And also it goes to show too, like, what were these people, what were these people doing now? They were eating, drinking, rejoicing. Mm-hmm. And it like, what people got to realize, like we, we had Saul who was a warrior king, for what it's worth. We had David who was definitely a warrior king. Yeah. But during David's reign, if you remember, David, like, advanced Israel to, like, one of the biggest that it was going to be. And then he also, like, you know, kind of subdued all their enemies. So when Solomon rolled around, we had a, we, like, we had a terminology sometimes, but peacetime and wartime. Solomon was a peacetime king. Mm-hmm. He didn't really have to go to war, per se. He was more so enjoying all the work David did. Now, I don't want to make it sound like he was lazy because you still have to, like, you have to, like, run and sustain. That was Solomon's job. But he, Solomon didn't really have to conquer. And you could see the people's lives were... They were good. Mm-hmm. They didn't have no care in the world. They eating, drinking, rejoicing. They were in the time of their lives. And Solomon reigned over all the kingdoms as far from the river, from the kingdoms from the river to the land of the Philistines as far as the border of Egypt. They brought tribute and served Solomon all the days of his life. So we see again, Solomon's kingdom was vast. He had a decent reign and he didn't really have to worry too much about his enemies, as in David. David, yeah, for sure. And that's that's something that um, you know, even God kind of commended him on because he wasn't worrying about his enemies to begin with. When he had, when he had the opportunity to ask for anything, he didn't say, Hey God, conquer my enemies, make me, make me vast, make me strong. He was saying, God, help me to be wise enough in order to rule your people and lead and be a good leader and by the grace of god you know god bless him with that you know god bless him with the opportunity to be a good leader and the resources you know and the wisdom to be that leader i was i was laughing too though because like he had 12 um governors and they each month they had to provide a meal for the king's house you know like it's your month 
<laughs> like, that's actually interesting, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, okay, that's a little interesting thing that y'all do. Potluck. <laughs> ah, I know how to call it. Going back to, going, even going back to the choice though, right? Like, it kind of makes sense, like how, how you brought it up, I just was thinking about it, because if your father really did all your work and your enemies ain't even that strong anymore, you don't even have to worry. Mm-hmm. About like so, Solomon really and truly asked for the thing he needed the most at that point. Like, I need to know how to run these people. I need, I need, I need some wisdom to actually like you know govern these people because enemies ain't a problem. Like, who actually kill? They weak, right? And you know, I, I thought about that last episode too because I'm like, you know, we command, and I'm I, I I try not to hate on like some some people <laughs> minimize what they do, but you know, people spoke highly of Solomon for his request, like it. And I, but when I was reading it, I'm like, you know what, I man? This wasn't like a, you know, I was start, I was starting to think, man, this might not be as noble as we think his request was. This might have just been his biggest area where he didn't want to get embarrassed. Like, I don't want to fail. My dad leave big shoes, you know? Mm-hmm. I, he might have wanted all of the glitz and the glamour, but he had to choose which one he wanted the most. That's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. But... In, in like kind of thinking about it a little deeper, his his request was actually a selfless thing. You know? Yeah. It wasn't about, obviously, I want to be good and manage my people, but I want my people to get the best out of my kingship. Mm-hmm. You know? I want my people to thrive more than anyone else, or not even more than anyone else, but I want them to thrive tremendously. And exactly. that's why he said, God, give me wisdom. Yeah, he, want, he wants people to prosper. There's, there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. Like, Nothing wrong with that at all. Mm-hmm. It's not in verse 22. Now Solomon's provision for one day was 30 cores of fine flour, 60 cores of meal, 10 fatted oxen, Bro. 20 oxen from the pastures, and 100 sheep besides the Dale, Gazelle, <laughs> Robux, and fatted fowl. Chicken, turkey. <laughs> you, re- you realize there ain't no, ain't no uh, lentil no. soup. Oh, yeah, yeah. But she's eating like a king. You know, I have a running joke with my wife. Like, we'd be, like, we'd go to, like, the Indian restaurant, the Thai restaurant, mm-hmm. and they, you know, they don't yes. play. They, yeah. The food is so amazing. I lean back to her and say, baby, you telling me King Solomon was eating this good? I can't fathom that, bro. Like, because, like, obviously the advancement of technology and stuff like that, right? Mm. But I, I want to believe that. That's why I call, like, India and, and Thailand, like, places with rough rich histories, like, especially India. And that's, you know, closer to, like, the, the eastern, near eastern mm. region or whatever. So I feel like more than likely the dishes that, that we eat today have been around for hundreds, if not thousands of years. So it's quite, quite possible that, that Solomon was eating curry. But I'm just like, yo... How good was the king's eating? Because when we look at on TV, they always have this big smorgasbord of fruits. But you realize it's like 30 cows, bro? Yeah, I get that. I get that. I'm talking about the optics of whatever they try to show a feast online. They might have one like turkey thigh or something, Mm -hmm. right? But it's a bunch of fruit. Mm -hmm. I don't like, bro, that pales in comparison to this. To this fettuccine Alfredo that I just had, bro. Like, but now you see what Solomon got. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Solomon wasn't playing because Solomon's saying, bro, I want all of the finest meat. Bro, uh, in one, every day. Every day. I, why are you thinking about the sheer mathematics of, bro, how much cows is this per day, bro? Yeah, true. Because I was thinking, bro, like you do 10 ox, 10 fat and oxen daily. It's not that 
10 oxen, you know, just the fat ones, you know, the ones that are ready to eat. You know but, I mean? look, See, like, so it's, 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 see, in our days, right, like today, day, you wouldn't think of like the fatted oxen in the Bible when they said that's like the ones they like. Prep to eat. Yeah, like they like they feed them, and and, yeah. and that's why they make the distinction between the ones that were just out grazing. Because now they killing like all them. They, they already eat now, right. but it's like difference between like eating wagyu beef mm-hmm. and just eating choice meat. Right, and that's what I'm saying. He so, got ten wagyu cows. Right, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> and he get ten great like choice grade cows. Because in my mind, the probably it's like it's more likely that you would have a grazed cow than exactly. a fat cow. Like exactly. I, I feel like. The greatest cow outnumber the fattened cows, and he By had far. ten of them per day. Per day, and that's what that's what that's what freaking him. Per like. diem, <laughs> you this, should, should run out. This was his per diem, bro. Like, he wanted gazelles, which I did not even realize was kosher until just now, bro. I tell you this before. <laughs> you, t- you tell me one thing. You you probably told me this, but the one that stick the most this was the giraffe. It's the giraffe. Now that one stick, bro. Yeah, I take that one to my grave. Like, <laughs> you got me so like a maniacal fiend. How? If God provide, if God give us the okay. Like, <laughs> but yeah, bro, like the day up, bro, like this man was eat, bro. You know what it is? You have you literally have about like five different meats. Different, like you have different types of game, bro. You have Roblox, you have Gazelle, you have Dare, bro. Like in like every like, <laughs> I want some venison today. Yeah, I want the Gazelle. Mm, I'm feeling chicken. <laughs> I want I want some turkey today. Some fat, quail. Some quail. Fat and fowl. I could be honest with you, bro. I don't think I only I, I think I only had two types of bird like in my life. Bro. Like I only had chicken and turkey. I don't think I've had any. <laughs> the types of fowl. No, that's a fowl. Yeah, bro. I never like, eat a quail. Yeah, true. And I, and I don't know how, how, like, if this is, like, probably the best it gets, right? In terms of meat that, you know, is Levitically approved, right? But this guy had options. Mm-hmm. And he had options, like, and a lot of times, like, I I wasn't like this, but, and and that's why I noticed this so much, a lot of times, like, your entree, like the meat of the, that's like the most important part of the meal for, for everyone. And that's why the lentils too, it just couldn't fly with you for real, for real. <laughs> I just was laughing because you realized he ain't had rice. <laughs> Wait, they didn't say he didn't have rice. But I don't see, like, I don't see you being a king if you ain't no rice with this, with this meal right here, bro. Like, I don't, I don't know if rice was <laughs> their crop for real. Because you see like, Cause I think rice is more Asia. Like they had, like they had a lot of wheat here. Mm. So you see, like why, that's why you mentioned yeah, like the flour. The flour and so they they, brought, they probably has like some good bread. That's that, that's what I'm trying to show you. Solomon can't be eating as good as eat all of this. It's still ain't as good as how I eat in the day, bro. Like I go into the Indian spot, I can get lamb, <laughs> all type of different curry with the rice. <laughs> I strangely feel like I'd give the edge to Solomon. You yeah, know, honestly, every time I bring this up. The person I talk to always gives it to them. And I know I'm probably wrong, bro, but it's so funny to me. I can't argue with with with, with 30, 30, bro, 30 oxen. Yeah. And and then a hundred sheep. Mm. Oh, bro, this clearly I mean, clearly this all in just for Solomon. Like this clearly for his household yeah, and yeah. this royal court and like other people are like, we taking care of. Bro, but like mathematically, bro, this could feed like 500 people, bro. And so the thing about... You remember when I said you wanted to like roast a, like a cow leg? Yeah. 
Bro, a cow leg, like, you take a, a whole leg, a cow, that, that one leg that can, can feel, feel like about 10 people. Right, right. That's true. And then the thing about, <clears throat> the reason why Solomon then probably really had a, a supreme edge over now is that we have so we have so much ways to cut corners in how you prep, mm-hmm. right? But they are familiar with the spices because they grow the spices. They And they're familiar with so much more spices, you know? So mm-hmm. the, the options spices to Spices stinking all now. That's what I'm saying, bro, like... But the, the the options to season these food, you know what I mean? Like I feel like that's you have a big edge. But the like to me, when something good, I always have to ask the question. I say, bro, Solomon was eating this good. <laughs> My like when I, bro, when I have a good meal, I like yo King David was eating this good every day. That just ain't fair, bro. That ain't fair. Yeah, that's wild. Can't be like I I sleep better thinking that our food today is better. <laughs> That way, I'm like, bro, it ain't fair, bro. <laughs> but wow. this is amazing, though. That's a, that's an impressive spread, if I do say so myself. Very true. I wonder what they was eating on special occasions. I guess my little thing is the same thing. <laughs> so much special, like on the special days, the holidays. Right. That's when he, that's when that's when he's offering like a thousand cattle, bro. That's true. No, but then, like to be to be completely fair though, and serious. On the special days, they had specific things to eat. Yeah. So it wasn't like a... They didn't like... like, a, like a, he was a, almost more restricted on those days. Yeah, yeah, You know, so like on Passover, which is a special day, you know what like, you're eating on Passover. The cows get a break that day, Dre. Right. And, and, and the geese <laughs> get a break that day. like The gazelles, the dares, yeah. the robux. Yeah, bro. You have unleavened bread and lamb. <laughs> like, for real. All right. So uh, going back to... us. First Kings chapter four, verse twenty-four. Now, for he had dominion over all the region on on this side of the river, from Tafshash even to Gaza, namely over all the kings on the side of the river. And he had peace on every side all around him. And Judah and Israel dwelt safely, each man under his vine and his fig tree, from Dan as far as Bathsheba, all the days of Solomon. Solomon had forty. Thousand stalls of horses for his chariots. Let me say it again. <laughs> he had 40,000 wow. stalls of horses for his chariots and 12,000 horsemen. Bro, I can't even fathom what 40,000 of any animal in one place looks like. Bro. And who cleaning all that poop? That's what I'm saying. And is it like who's one... feeding all of them? Right? Is it one stall per? You know what I mean? Because I like you, some stalls bigger than the next. You know what I mean? Like when the horses gotta like walk around and thing like right? Like who herding all of these horses? Boy, this ain't like the parable of a hundred sheep. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, that's a little more manageable. Like, exactly, <laughs> and that's almost unmanageable. <laughs> Forty thousand. Man, that's crazy. And you thought you was eating like Solomon? Boy, boy, but I know though, bro. I can take you to some restaurants out here, bro. I know though. <laughs> All right, in verse twenty-seven, <laughs> and these governors, each man in his month. To your point, provided food for the king Solomon and mm. for all who came to the king's table. There was no lack in their supply. Mm. They also bought barley and straw to. To the proper place for the houses and the steeds, each man according to his charge. I wouldn't want to be responsible for feeding 40,000 of anything. No. Of anything. I only... 
That's a lot, bro. That's a lot to manage. Like, what? Yeah, the king. Knows. And it's just one of your animals. Because we're feeding all these cows that you clearly have an infinite supply of. Oh, yeah. The dare. Like, bro, people don't just keep dare. That's what I say, bro. Like, how y'all was, like, hurting them. Like, y'all was catching them in the wild every day. <laughs> or, or what? Like, like, how so, like, when, like when Samson find all them foxes. foxes. <laughs> like, where these coming from? For real, bro. But then when you die wise, bro, like. I guess. <laughs> you can't be the wisest man in the world and eating unseasoned food, though. Like, you should be able to say, no, no, no. You know, the salt to... to <laughs> I'm mad you the, going, though. The salt to curry ratio is off right now. You know I mean? mad you think he had curry. <laughs> I do think. I do think, bro. That's the crazy thing, bro. I was talking to, I was talking to one of my friends who's from, who from the Middle East, and, and we was talking about going to Jerusalem. And he said, yeah, they have a lot of rice over there, bro. And I was like, all right, say no more. Say no more, bro. Say no more, so. I mean, this do look kind of curry-ish. I just Googled good uh, Jewish meals. Um, okay. <laughs> stewish. I mean, even we know they had stews. Yeah, they had lentil stew for sure. They have forefathers. I think they, I think they had some stew beef. True. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but them lentils do. <laughs> yeah, man, doesn't even make the cut, man. If y'all don't get the joke, this a uh, this a. Uh, Go back to call back. Go back to Jacob and Esau. <laughs> yeah, right. Because Jacob sold his no Esau sold his birthright for Lantern Stewart, and Earl doesn't like that trade. He he feel like someone should have vetoed that trade. <laughs> At least throw some meat in it, man. <laughs> Isaac should have come out of nowhere and vetoed that trade, bro. Like I mean, sure. At least Isaac wanted venison drink. Yeah, true. <laughs> like, true. I throw some meat in it. But they was doing a lot for that food back then, though. Mercy. <laughs> yeah. You you gotta get a lot for a bowl of stew back then. Real talk, real talk. Nowadays you're getting charged twelve dollars for eggs. Fine, fine. Uh, we digress. They don't, they don't want to talk, but that one. Though, bro. We digress. All oh, right, man. all right. And in verse twenty nine, and God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding and largeness of heart, like the sand of the seashore. Thus Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the men of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all men, than Ethan the Azarite, and Heman the Calcol, and Dada the sons of Mahol, and his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, hint, hint, hmm. and his songs were 1,005, hint, hint, again. Hmm. Also, he spoke of trees from the cedar, the tree of Lebanon, even to the hyssop that springs out of the wall. He spoke also of animals, of birds, creeping things, and of fish. And all of the nations, from all the kings of the earth, who had heard of his wisdom, came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. So, to harken back on our conversation last episode, mm -hmm. when I was saying if Solomon was a genius... Or mm -hmm. if he was just like very wise and like very sharp and things like that, mm -hmm. you know, as I thought about it more, <clears throat> excuse me, as I thought about it more, I don't see how you could not be like wise in all areas. Mm -hmm. In if that's like, I don't see how wisdom, like I feel like today we call wisdom when you make like sound decisions, you know, and you you very sharp and witty and clever. But I think <clears throat> the term wisdom here is like just. The term wisdom, as it, as they describe in Solomon, is to say that this man was a genius. 
You know what I'm saying? I don't I don't know if they had the term for genius back then, but they say he's wiser than any man on the earth, you know? And so <clears throat> as we go throughout the story of Solomon a little more, you can get to see how versatile his wisdom is. So so for instance, if someone said you have wisdom in the medical field, they mean you're super smart. They don't mean you mm-hmm. you witty or you know what I mean? Like they they mean you know a lot. Like, mm-hmm. You you know what I'm saying? So from an educational standpoint, Solomon knew a lot. And but one thing that was interesting to me, and it kind of made me laugh just because I was I was I was mentioned, they was like, yo, Solomon was wiser than anyone. He was even wiser than Ethan the Ezraite. And I'm like, who's that? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Who is that? But mm-hmm. Ethan the Ezraite, he had a, a a psalm or two. I, I, when I was reading the book of Psalms, or maybe it was Proverbs, I came across his name. So obviously he was a very wise man to be compared to Solomon. And it's also obvious that Solomon's wisdom surpassed that of, of Ethan. That's right. You know what I mean? <laughs> I thought you were going to read the Psalms from him. Oh, no. I, I didn't put it on. I didn't even Google it. <laughs> I was like, okay, you want to read for it. Like, you got the build up. But I'll put it up, though, but you can talk. No, I mean, I just was going to, like, probably just read, like, the beginning of Proverbs. Because... It always like is get me sometimes, right? This is the proverb of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, in doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the the sayings and the wills of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. It's always Proverbs 1 verse 7 that gets me. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instructions. Mm. And it, like, I mean, like, again, this is from the wisest man who ever lived. Right. And he's just saying, you know what, like, you know where the beginning of knowledge actually is, is when you fear the Lord. And fear here ain't being, being like, terrified and scared this fear really talks about like reverence and getting to know and having respect for and you know like that's what fear means in this in this in in this sense and it's interesting like because solomon's arc here i think he have like one or two more interesting stories and then we get down to his his uh Slide down the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> and boy, what a far, slide it is. Far from Greece. But at the same time, it still shows that whether, like, here's my real train of thought in my head. We have Solomon who says he's the wisest man who ever lived. Not even him saying God said he's the wisest man that ever lived. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of almost hard to rationalize that when the world tells you, oh, Plato hasn't existed yet. Mm-hmm. Socrates hasn't come yet. Marcus Aurelius hasn't come yet. Einstein hasn't come yet. So how is Solomon the wisest man that ever lived? Mm-hmm. But one, we, we know the backstory to it, but Solomon telling you where the actual true beginning of knowledge is. And mm-hmm. it's the fear of God. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people, shoot, sometimes myself included in this. So I shouldn't say like we as a human race, you know what I'm saying? Like we try to look to the world to give us answers. We try to look to the world to tell us like, what is right? What is wrong? What we should believe? What we should not believe? 
Like, I mean, we made a joke. I mean, I made the joke earlier asking you, like, in the perfect world, what your world should be. But we look to a lot of, like, a lot of humans, we look to, like, other human beings to find knowledge. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But the wisest man who ever lived telling you where knowledge actually comes from. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He, he telling you straight up, like, in the first chapter of his book, I mean, the real, like, the really truth, like, the real first line, like, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And like those who despise wisdom, uh, they have, they're fools. Hmm. So I, I just, that was kind of my trend of thought, thought long and drawn out, unfortunately. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's interesting because the world we live in now, we have people who are renowned, I'd say scholars, scientists, you know, accomplished people that do not fear God. You know, that, that say God does not exist, you know. You know, the Bible says the fool says in his heart, there, there is, is no, no God. God. You know, that's a foolish thing. And so it, it just goes to show that you could you could actually be wise and still be a fool, right? But then once you get to that realization, you realize this person isn't wise for it. It's almost like Corinthians, uh, I think it's oh, chapter 13, I don't know. I yeah. always get this wrong. Speak with the tongues of mine and of mm -hmm. angels, but if I do not have charity or AKA love, I have nothing. Mm -hmm. Right? So you telling me I could I could speak like an angel, like I am wise. I could speak with I could speak every language. I could break down all this stuff, but I I miss in love. So that means I have nothing. When you really think about it, yeah, because it's all vanity. It's all vanity, you know. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. You know, um, that that type of concept. You have people that are so talented. They are so blessed by God, but they deny the power of God. And you realize that you're basically wasting your whole talent because you are denying the creator who actually gave you this thing. And so you're limiting yourself because you don't even really, you can't even really comprehend how you got this power or what this power, I shouldn't say power, but what this gift is actually for. You know, and you don't even know how to use it for the honor and glory of God. And I feel like having accepted and, and learned that Solomon is the wisest man ever. <clears throat> wisest meaning, I like in the cars, smartest, you a genius. <clears throat> Hearing him say that the, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Like to me, that speaks a lot. That speaks a lot because the world that we live in, in, in this year, in this day and age, we are, we, we are left with a world where the devil has done a lot to, um, to, to, to miseducate people and to actually discourage us of us thinking, if you want to really unlock your brain, you got to throw away this Christianity stuff or, or religion in general. I feel like but a lot of my people who are like my friends who are like really smart, bro, and they really quote unquote wise. I only believe in a most, I only believe in God. But I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe in no specific religion. Mm. And they think that's smart. Mm -hmm. Like to me, I'm just like, bro, you you ever learning to me, bro. You know what I mean? Like you <laughs> you you chasing after the wind for real. That's a fact. You know? But it is what it is because even the wisest person that ever lived tells you like the fear of the of the Lord, that's wisdom. But it don't even take a wise person to know that. What what does it profit a mind to gain the world? And lose his soul, so and lose his soul. So you know what does it profit you to do anything if the if the result is destruction? Mm -hmm. 
Was you really doing it? And then lastly, the way I think about the world that we live in and the world that we are left with, it's like the parable when Jesus was talking about <clears throat> they had this sower and he sowed these seeds and then the enemy came and sowed, sowed the, like, the, the weeds mm -hmm. around it. You know what I mean? And in my mind, I'm like, bro, that's literally what it is. That's literally what it is. God established all this goodness. It's documented in a book, right? <laughs> but while, while, we, while the church sleep or while the Lord is delaying his coming, the enemy just comes in and spreads a bunch of weeds. Mm -hmm. They give you this type of philosophy. They give you this mythology. They give you all of these things to consume your mind with. And now you see two plants and you don't even know which one is the weed and which one is the actual wheat. Mm -hmm. You know, like you don't even know how to decipher. But if we listen to the wisest person, he can tell us how to do it. bro. It's the fear of God. Whichever one leads you away from God is foolishness, you know. But whatever is leading you to God is the beginning of wisdom. It's wisdom. It's wisdom. This week we learned of Solomon and his governors. We also learned that his territories were vast and he was loved by his people. Solomon also had great connections. Connections that assisted with building the temple. But we'll talk more about that on the next episode of A Breath of Fresh Air. Tonight's episode included voice acting by your hosts, Earl Roberts and Nikaz Gay. Remember to go ahead and research on your own in order to get a more firm understanding of tonight's episode. And if you enjoyed it, make sure to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. You can follow us on social media at a breath of fresh air pod on Instagram and B O F A P O D on Twitter. Thanks everyone. And we'll see you next week.